Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Day two of the joint practices, the Browns and Giants out in Berea. Miles Garrett uh, working the sled. Jadavian Clowney on the right-hand side working the sled as well. Good sign for Browns fans. Uh, this is also a very good sign. Baker Mayfield to Do- Donovan Peoples-Jones. Same drill. Baker Mayfield to Jarvis Landry. Uh, Baker Mayfield looking good in these joint practices. Good Friday afternoon to you. Hope your weekend's off to a great start. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. Uh, Some storylines going on out in Berea, and this one is a little concerning. Greedy Williams left the field with a trainer early in the individual section of the uh, workout. Has not returned. No reports on that. Uh, But again, Greedy Williams left with a trainer. Never want to hear that. Sione Takitaki, Grant Delpit, MJ Stewart. Uh, Anthony Schwartz and Denzel Ward all riding the bikes and not practicing out in Berea. But Baker Mayfield looking sharp and looking good passing against a, another defense. Um, it is the Giants, but he has looked good. Let's welcome in um, Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan. Mac, um, I, I hear Baker Mayfield looks sharp, and that makes me <laughs> not want to put him in a preseason game and um, – I know he's a football player, but, yeah, I err on the side of caution with my quarterback. Yeah, Dave, I I tend to agree with you for the most part. I'll I'll say this. Maybe give him a couple of drives, you know, at least kind of getting used to that game speed again because, you know, last year we saw in that first game, you saw that adjustment need to come from Baker Mayfield and from the offense, especially against Baltimore, and and it didn't look pretty at that point. But, you know, again, going into this year, I I don't really need to see much from Baker Mayfield when it comes to preseason games. You know, like you mentioned, he's looked sharp against the Giants. And at this point, too, it allows him to kind of get into different situations that you might not necessarily get into, you know, in the first four minutes of, of, a, of a game at that point. You know, they can go ahead and run the two-minute drill like they did yesterday. They can get into different situations and be able to utilize some of those things in the offense, not giving away too much at that point. But, you know, again, going up against a, a tough Giants defense, you know, not necessarily great, but at the same time, you know, some new additions, you know, Dory Jackson, you have, you know, Leonard Williams already there, Jabril Peppers, uh, who gave up that touchdown to David Njoku yesterday. You know, th- that's a situation where, you know, again, I, I think a Baker Mayfield, it- it's a little bit of a test for him in a controlled environment, and that's all I need to see. I don't necessarily need to worry about him getting injured, but, you know, maybe a drive or two, I would say, at least in the preseason, kind of get him used to that game speed and get some reps in at least at that point. But I don't need to see much more than that. So, uh, David Njoku, Browns picked up his fifth-year option um, from his rookie contract earlier this year. Um, he changed agents uh, away from Drew Rosenhaus back to his original agent. And um, Njoku was asked, remember, before last year, had said he wanted to be traded, didn't think this was the place for him. Uh, he was asked about, does he want to be here long-term, and what does he think about being a Brown? Here is David Njoku's answer today. We're gonna leave last year, you know, in the past. But what I what I can say is, uh, I'm in a way uh, positive mindset, a, a lot more positive this year. You know, just um, playing for myself, playing for for my teammates, playing for the team. You know, it's uh, a lot easier to work hard that way. So do, do you feel like this is a place you want to be for a long time? Now? Of course, of course. I've been here for four years, knocking on five. You know, I don't really know anything different, so I like to stay here. So we know this is a business, and we know. Uh, contract is up this year and you just said you want to be here so 
will, will you instruct your agent to try to drum up uh, a new contract yes. at this point? Yes, I will. Uh, has that happened yet? Nothing yet. We're, we're just, you know, playing it the day by day. And again, Mac, keep in mind, this was a guy that was really young when the Browns drafted him. Still ascending. He's an intriguing player as when you talk about what his ceiling might be. Yeah, and, and especially you're talking about tight end. It's a position that, you know, it takes a while to kind of get used to because of the many different facets that you have to get used to. You know, coming into the NFL, like you mentioned, he was very athletic, but, you know, again, he didn't really have the blocking down. He didn't really have, you know, the great hands. He had good hands. He could make an athletic catch, but at the same time, he dealt with a lot of drops. And, you know, again, last year was one of the better blockers on the team. Uh, you know, especially with the way that, you know, he improved and attacked that part of his game. You know, I especially look at the way that he's played and the way that he's improved. You know, overall, I think that he, he deserves a hell of a lot of credit uh, for what he's been able to do at this point. But, you know, again, I, I think that especially you look at NFL tight ends, you know, a lot of times you'll see, you know, occasionally you have the George Kittle who will come in and, you know, year two, maybe year three, all of a sudden have the massive breakout, but that rarely does happen. You know, you have that in a few cases, but a lot of times these tight ends, and especially for somebody like Njoku, like you mentioned, he was the youngest player in his draft class in 2017 and turned 21 in the middle of training camp. So, you know, for him, he's a younger player. And on top of that, you know, again, he's athletic already and he's grown into the position. I think that he's going to have a breakout year this year. And, you know, especially for him, I think that this is a, a massive step uh, for him. And, and also one key note is the fact that when the Browns brought in Austin Hooper uh, to his massive deal, uh, record-breaking at the time, but, you know, when they brought him in, he was going into his age 26 year, his age 26 season. For David Njoku, he just turned 25. Next year will be going into his age 26 season. So the timelines really match up to give Njoku that extension and give him that payday if he does end up breaking out this year like I expect. So let's turn our attention now to um, another guy that um, contract extension is always being talked about these days, uh, Baker Mayfield. Chris Canty, ESPN's Get Up, talked about what Baker Mayfield's contract should look like from his thinking. If Baker Mayfield wants to get it done, he's going to have to take less money than Dak Prescott. If he thinks he's going to reset the market and he's going to get more than Josh Allen, he's going to get more than Lamar Jackson, guys who have proven more, maybe not have won as much, you know, but Baker Mayfield has to realize who he is. Baker Mayfield has two of everything. As soon as they pay him, he's going to start losing some of that much talent around him because it's just not going to be able to afford guys. I, I do this exercise all the time when I talk about Baker Mayfield. Go through the list of starting quarterbacks in this league and put them on the Cleveland Browns as they're currently constituted yeah. and tell me if they're better or worse with that quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And most of the time, it's the answer is going to be yes. Justin Herbert, right? Lamar Jackson, you know, Mahomes. You can go down the list of quarterbacks in this league and they'll be better off if they were somebody other than Baker Mayfield. That type of player doesn't get to set the market. Yeah, if we're talking top 10 quarterbacks, and I did a list all season, all offseason, talking to the scouts, execs. There's a top 10, there's an honorable mention. He is in the honorable mention. Yeah. He's betting on this year. If he can win and take Good him luck. deeper into the playoffs, 2022, maybe he's knocking on the door of that top 10, then you have to pay him. Because the Browns are not in that range of, like, let's pay him 44 or 45 million right. like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. They're not there. They're going to try to find a sweet spot somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with Canty's point um, that – if you put guys in this system, they're necessarily better. Um, I understand what he's saying uh, about the payday, though. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing that, again, it becomes the chicken versus the egg, essentially, that people will kind of look at for Baker Mayfield. Because, uh, again, uh, like the system that he's coming into and the system that he's coming into, it accentuates Baker's strengths. And, again, I don't think that's a, de that's a detraction from him at that point at that point that's just good coaching i know it's hard for us to understand we haven't necessarily had that as much but again they're just building around baker's strengths and i think that baker again you know is he more talented than kirk cousins absolutely kirk cousins got a big payday and fit that offense that stefanski now runs here in cleveland and i think that baker mayfield is able to take that to that next level so you know again the detraction from signing him or trying to have him earn that payday 
I kind of disagree. I, I think that they're playing into his strengths, and I think that, again, it's accentuating the talent that you have. And I think that Baker Mayfield, he's extremely talented. I think he is a team's franchise quarterback, and I think that he will level up that play that he had this past season that we saw towards the end of the year. I think that he's going to take that to the next level. Yeah, and, and I um, I agree. I, I think he is set for a pretty, pretty good year. All right. Um, David Njoku was asked uh, about – the tight ends production and um, some folks thought it was a little disappointing a season ago and if he thought the tight end group could kind of step it up here's David Njoku I actually think we were a big part last year you know um, obviously we were doing some more of the dirty work than you know catching which is completely fine you know this is a, a team game so whatever it takes for us to win we'll, we'll do did you have to learn how to accept and perfect that dirty work under this coach yeah I, I I love it now. You know, I uh, really got to enjoy blocking and, you know, doing all that dirty work. It kind of, you know, uh, it excited me towards the end of last year. And now, you know, I, I really enjoy it. Are you a lot better at it, do you think? I like to think so, yeah. And, and Mac, <laughs> he sounded genuine in the fact that he wants to be here long term. And he definitely has improved his blocking. Yeah. And, and again, he, he was one of the better blockers in that tight end room. And that was one of Austin Hooper's big, you know, selling points bringing him in is, yeah, he, he was a decent blocker. He was a pretty good blocker and that he would be probably one of the better ones on, in the tight end room. But Njoku took that, his game to the next level. And, and again, you know, I, I look at the way that this team is set up, especially, you know, Kevin Stefanski, he loves his tight ends. But at the same time, again, I, I look at the way that this team is set up and especially with David Njoku. He has the athleticism that you want and especially – you know, the key part of that is that he enjoys now the dirty work. And it goes back to Kevin Stefanski and the team that he's built up and, you know, the, the way that that locker room has really built itself around the work. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski, it, it sound, he sounds like a broken record every time that he speaks and talks about, yeah, you know, it's about the work, it's about going day by day. But, you know, for Najoku, he went from somebody who really didn't enjoy blocking, really didn't necessarily enjoy you know, doing the dirty work at that point, like you mentioned, but now he loves it. And, and again, that's contagious. That's what you love to see in that locker room. And again, you have players that are buying in at that point and not just older veterans, but you have these younger players that are buying into that environment. And now that becomes, you know, again, like I said, that becomes contagious for the other players. And all of a sudden now you have one to 53, or I guess in this case, one to 85, that everybody's pretty much buying in and working hard every day. And that exponentially improves your growth day in and day out. Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan and I get to step aside, take a quick time out. Uh, we will get an update on uh, contract talks between Baker Mayfield and the Browns from Jeremy Fowler. Also, uh, some news about Jacob Phillips and that injury that he suffered yesterday. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Sports for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns football with Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan. All right, Mac, um, eerily quiet on the front to, as far as Baker Mayfield's contract extension goes. Uh, some news, uh, Jeremy Fowler gives us an update of where the Browns and Baker Mayfield stand in terms of that update and uh, contract extension. Let's go to Baker Mayfield. I'm hearing that a contract extension before week one is largely unexpected right now. They would have to make some major progress in the next few weeks for that to change. But 
The Browns do believe that Baker Mayfield can be their long-term answer at quarterback. Mayfield knows that Cleveland feels that way, so there's really no panic here. You know, they've been talking to cornerback Denzel Ward about potentially doing a deal. I think they're trying to sort out all their other business before they address Mayfield and try to acknowledge this huge quarterback market. But Mayfield is prepared to go out week one without a deal and bet on himself in a big way. Well, it's going to be interesting because after yesterday, and RC, you referenced the essay that I did on the air yesterday, I am now the mayor of Cleveland. And that is true. Uh, Mike Greenberg uh, is very popular for a stand on the Browns. But, um, again, I would be willing to bet that Baker Mayfield will, again, bet on himself. He seems to win when he does that. Yeah, his track record seems pretty solid when it comes to betting on himself. And, you know, again, I look at the way that they've handled this offseason, especially their extensions. You know, it seems like they're trying to get everybody else situated first. Baker knows how they feel about him. He knows, and the Browns front office knows how he feels about them and this situation. And I think that overall, it, it will get done. I just don't necessarily think it'll happen before this season. And especially, too, you know, the fact that before week one, okay, maybe if you said maybe by midseason, maybe that something gets done, okay, maybe that's an update. But for Fowler to just say, I, I don't think anything gets done in the next three weeks, I don't really think that's much news. I, I genuinely look at the way that this contract situation has played out. I think that they're going to get something done. Baker's going to be the Browns franchise quarterback for the long haul. And, you know, I, I look at the way that this has played out. But for Baker Mayfield, it wouldn't play out any other way. I, I think that this is just about as spot on that you could have for Baker Mayfield. And, you know, honestly, I think that for Cleveland, I think that they're in the right here. They're getting everybody else situated, getting their books right before they go ahead and overspend and have to worry about, okay, do I need to shave off a couple dollars here to Denzel Ward or to, you know, maybe David Njoku or something along those lines. So, you know, I, I think that they're looking at it and they're going about it for the right approach. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, the, the, the price uh, of quarterbacks in the NFL is probably going up. It never goes down. And um, if Baker Mayfield has the type of season that would require the Browns to pay more to him, Jimmy Haslam's going to write that check. He'll, he'll run to get his checkbook if uh, Baker Mayfield leads them on a deep playoff run and it costs him a few more million dollars. That's money Jimmy Haslam hopes he has to spend. All right, uh, some concerning news. Let's take a look. Um, Jacob Phillips, and this one didn't get a lot of publicity. Um, some injury news on Jacob Phillips right here. You see that, and you see him kind of wincing and grabbing his arm. Um, it is a bicep injury that will certainly keep Phillips out most, if not all, of the season. Uh, again, Jacob Phillips injured yesterday, yesterday in the joint practices and um, had that bicep injury. Uh, they say he may be back late, but um, all of a sudden, Taki Taki leaves uh, practice yesterday with the trainers. Mac Wilson banged up in the preseason game against the Jaguars. So this linebacking core starting to become a concern. Are you getting concerned with it, Mac Robinson? A little bit. Um, not entirely terribly concerned, mainly because, you know, looking at the way that Joe Woods, and again, Dave, you and I have talked about this countless times, but, you know, Joe Woods, he wants to run that dime package defense where, you know, they're running that one linebacker out there as well as six defensive backs. You know, you have the safeties. Hopefully, if Grant Elbert's able to get healthy enough to be on the field, that's another concern for me. But, you know, looking at the linebacking core, I, I really do think that, you know, maybe they add in a veteran. Maybe they bring somebody in like a K.J. Wright, you know, veteran from Seattle who's sitting out there in free agency. Or, you know, you could also go ahead and look at the trade route. Or if somebody gets cut like a Jordan Hicks, you know, he's somebody who I think could be. Uh, an option for the Browns if they go down that road. I think that he's certainly a cheaper option. He's somebody who can, you know, you can get out pretty easily after this year. But again, you bring in Anthony Walker. He's that green dot. But Jacob Phillips was that backup for you. You know, you always could bring in a B.J. Goodson, who was that green dot player for you last year. So I, I look overall at the way that this team has been built on defense, especially. I think that you can kind of sustain a hit, but at the same time, I also think that this pretty much locks in most of those guys in that linebacking room. I think that with Tony Fields dealing with an injury, I think Elijah Lee's going to be that special teamer behind Taki Taki. I think Taki Taki will be fine. 
Um, but you have Walker as your middle linebacker. You know, they bring in a Willie Harvey. He's somebody who could, you know, get some snaps if he's able to make the roster or if they have to bring in a veteran. I think that somebody's going to be there behind Walker. And then you have JOK and Mac Wilson as those will linebackers, that weak side backer. So I think that overall, you know, you look at the depth chart for the linebacking room, I think it pretty much gets set in stone at this point. But, yeah, it's a terrible injury for Phillips. He was somebody who had a great end of the year last year, and I was really looking forward to seeing how he would be able to perform. So, you know, him going down, I think it's a, a loss of that depth for that linebacking room, but it's certainly one that I think that Andrew Barry will be able to manage after uh, this preseason. Yeah, and, and I would keep an eye on, you know, the Browns making some trade. Um, you know, they brought in Ronnie Harrison a season ago. Um, there's going to be a surplus. There's going to be really good football players that can't crack this 53-man roster, and you may see a trade of, of some of the positions of wealth for the Browns to try to get some depth at that linebacking core. Something that we'll keep an eye on, not this weekend, but next weekend um, after that third preseason game when the Browns have to get to the 53-man roster limit. All right, Bleacher Report has come out with some rookies who have hit the ground running in um, – Obviously, Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State uh, and the Chicago Bears. Patrick Sertan, the, uh, the DB over with the Broncos. And from the Browns, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. You know, he missed time early in camp, but uh, didn't look very rusty when he was on the field against the Jaguars, <laughs> did he? Yeah, you could have fooled me. You could have fooled me. I mean, seeing the way that he was able to, you know, go sideline to sideline, you saw that speed and those instincts really coming into play, and especially to the big hit, uh, especially late in the fourth quarter, I believe it was. Uh, you know, there was a screen pass out of the running back in the flat, and he was able to come up, immediately sniff that out, and immediately just lay out that running back at that point. You know, for JOK, I think he's been doing phenomenally, and, and I love to see what he's been able to do. You know, I think that he's somebody who, you know, I was a little concerned when he missed, you know, that first week, week and a half of training camp. But now that he's come back, you know, he's really been studying the entire way through. I mean, hell, he even talked about how he set up, when he was at home, he set up fruits to set up the different uh, schemes in front of him. So I look at JOK as one of those guys that really, I think that the learning curve isn't as steep for him, especially because of how hard he works and especially because of his instincts. So, you know, he's somebody who I, I think is going to get a ton of playing time in week one even despite, you know, missing that first week and a half of training camp because of the uh, COVID list. Yeah, I would uh, tend to agree. Um, you know, assuming he continues uh, along the path that he's been. <laughs> All right, um, reports from the joint practices. Um, uh, the Browns pretty much had their way first day with the Giants. And, um, you know, you, you, you listen to the guys talking, and Jarvis Landry, a guy that set the tone, is that a surprise to you at all? No, no, not at all. I, I mean, Jarvis in the first year comes out and says it's contagious, basically, for his work ethic. And, you know, it's really shown. You know, he's been that leader, that guy who sets the tone for this wide receiver room. You know, he might not necessarily be the most athletic guy. He might not be that big play threat. But at the same time, he's that guy that really sets the tone for all of those players. He's that veteran presence in that locker room, one of the team leaders, and he's really been proving it. You know, there were a ton of good catches that he made in traffic yesterday. You know, he's done very well um, and really helped kind of, like, like I said, set the tone for this offense and really is that kind of calming presence, I almost want to say, but also one of those fiery leaders for them because of, you know, his steadiness as a receiver on the outside. He's somebody who constantly finds a way to get open and even when he has those you know contested catches he really seems to be doing well even when the defenders are draped all over him like he did yesterday all right so um anthony schwartz um, has practiced some but not as much as he would like talked about picking up tips from um, jarvis landry and odell beckham and how big of an advantage it is for him i just pick up a lot of really it's a lot of like small things that you would never think of and it's just like how they view the game, how they see the game. I see them in our meeting rooms talking all the time just like about little things they can do to get open. And like they'll see like whether it's me or whether it's anyone in the room, they'll see like little things that we can do to just make it that much better, get the, make that next step. And it's just been amazing to see. And it's a lot of like really eye-opening. And, Mac, that's a, a great situation for young receivers um, that you have guys in Beckham and Landry who are willing to share the tricks of the trade with you. 
Well, and we've even seen it with Donovan Peoples-Jones last year. You know, he was somebody who had the athletic skills uh, going into the year, but just wasn't utilized correctly and really had to develop. And you saw that development last year, you know, and at least you've seen the fruits of that in camp and even in the Jacksonville preseason game as well. But, you know, Anthony Schwartz is one of those guys who, again, he had that relationship with Jarvis before uh, he got drafted by the Browns. Now that he's able to be in there, you know, I mentioned the le- the leadership qualities and that, that veteran presence and setting the tone. You know, he's also adding and instilling in those younger receivers that, hey, I got to look at this film and there's even these minute details that I can still pick up on and still improve upon at that point. So, you know, I, I look at what this is for Anthony Schwartz. You really can't get much of a better situation, uh, you know, like you said, Dave. I, I think that for Schwartz, it's a great situation and then, for him again like he has that speed that you want and now that you get some of the nuance of the position that an odell beckham jr has that a jarvis landry has and all of a sudden you start to infuse that with the overall athletic skills that schwartz has i I think the sky's the limit for him going forward yeah i would agree uh mac robinson from 92.3 the fan and i'm gonna step aside take a quick time out on the other side of the break ryan clark talks about uh, the work base Baker Mayfield has done turning this franchise around. Also, we'll hear from Jabril Peppers. They gave up a touchdown pass to former teammates Baker Mayfield and David Njoku. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back Sports for CLE. We continue talking Browns football. Ryan Clark from ESPN talked about Baker Mayfield and how he turned uh, the Browns franchise around when he was the number one overall pick. Remember all the losing? Uh, over 500 since Baker Mayfield has been the quarterback. Listen, you can't say he hasn't done that, but the problem is Baker Mayfield actually doesn't get a lot of the praise for doing that because we haven't seen Baker Mayfield necessarily take over games or Baker Mayfield be the reason why they were so good last year. It was about Kevin Stefanski. It was about the offensive line. It was about the running backs. And now this year, it'll be about this improved defense. What Baker Mayfield has to do is just keep winning. They had an opportunity last year in Kansas City where they pushed the Kansas City Chiefs to the brink and it took a a chance. Henny fourth down play in order for that team to beat the Cleveland Browns. And so when you look at Baker Mayfield, he should bet on himself. He should bet on himself because he has everything surrounding him to be great. Now, does Baker Mayfield necessarily get the praise that he should get? No, but I also don't think he gets all of the criticism. And so Baker Mayfield has a chance to break the bank. It's just about winning. If he gets the Cleveland Browns to a Super Bowl after that team being in the position it was in when it drafted him, you can no doubt and in no way keep him from getting his money. And, and Mac, I think he's going to get his money either way. But, um, yeah, I, I, I understand what Ryan Clark is saying. Um, I think Baker Mayfield, I think we've uh, the ceiling is pretty high. I think it, he is ascending, and um, I'm not sure how high he can go yet. Yeah, and Dave, I'm right there with you. You know, I, I look at the tail end of last year, and, and especially, you know, people would say like, oh, the Titans game, you can't really say. Like, that's that's like the peak for Baker Mayfield. That's like the best of the best, which, again, I don't necessarily know if I want to call that the peak because, again, it was only one half of football that we saw, really, where he had that top of the line, you know, accuracy, everything like that. You know, he played very, very well. I'm not saying that he didn't, but what I'm saying is that, you know, second half of the game, they played very conservatively, and the defense at that point really was letting up a lot of those big plays, allowing those scores. For Baker Mayfield, I think that this is just him getting comfortable in the system. 
this isn't even getting into the advanced stuff. And, you know, he talked about that a little bit of practice today. You know, the fact that they're now getting into some of the complicated formations, some of the complicated, you know, concepts for the offense. Because they didn't have the preseason last year, they had a condensed training camp and everything was virtual. So now that they're actually able to go into a, a second season and they're able to grow upon that foundation that they set last year, you know, I think the sky's the limit for Baker Mayfield, you know. His talent and his accuracy, you were starting to see that again last year once he got comfortable in the offense. And, and I think that overall, you know, I, I think that now you're going to start to see him be able to take those deep shots downfield. I think that overall with Baker Mayfield, I think that he's really going to improve this year. And, and like you said, he's going to get paid no matter what. But at the same time, I, I think that overall he's going to take that next step. I think that he's going to grow uh, in the second year under Kevin Stefanski. And again, it's shocking what happens when you have good continuity. Not just continuity, but good continuity for growth under a quarterback. Yeah, yep. and all 11 back on offense. Well, uh, former Brown Jabril Peppers talked about giving up a couple of touchdowns to uh, Baker Mayfield and David Njoku, former teammates. Here's Jabril Peppers. Probably could have jumped a little higher, been a couple more inches taller, but, uh, you know, it was a great ball, you know, great great pitch and catch, and, you know, that's why we're here, man, to get that work. Did, didn't Njoku say, I mean, you guys were drafted together, didn't Njoku say anything? Yeah, yeah, he said, just like old time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we was going back and forth, me and Baker, me and Joku, so, you know, that's that's been fun as well. What was some of the talk between you and Baker? It looked like there was a lot of chatter. Oh, uh, yeah, me and Baker used to always go back and forth, you know, just, you know, just ball stuff, you know. He tells me he's going to go 80%. I tell him he can't see over the line. You know, <laughs> you know just things like that. You know, it's all good ball. Good What's talk. he say back to that? Uh, I think he said I was 80%. <laughs> so, you know, it's just you know it's just good ball, man. Just good to be on the road with the team. You know, man for man competing against another team. You know, I love it. And um, you kind of get the sense that's why teammates like Baker Mayfield. You know, he, he – even when he was struggling, all of the teammates, you, you never heard anything about it. They all believed in him, and there is that bond, and, and that's fun to hear. Yeah, and, and the one thing I'll even say, too, is that, you know, in previous cases, we've had former players come in, and they've been upset, you know, about the way that the team handled everything or, you know, being glad that, you know, they're out of the organization. And, hell, I still remember Greg Little saying that he would circle – the game that they were playing against him and he ended up playing for the Cincinnati Bengals instead of the Raiders at that point. But now like looking back at it, Peppers is able to come in. He's still joking. Najoku jokes with him. Both of them were first round picks in 2017 along with Miles Garrett. But you know, for the way that this team has handled it, you know, I think that this is a growth and this is a, this is a growing step for this franchise and organization. And like you said, with Baker Mayfield, that's another big step, you know, that really changes the culture. And I know that we've said that year after year after year, but truly with Baker Mayfield at the helm, at least when he's your franchise quarterback, I really do think that this is how you lead this team to that next level. I think that all of a sudden now it opens up a hell of a lot more for this team. And at this point now, you know, I look at the way that, you know, Baker has handled it. Odell has handled it, and even uh, David Njoku joking with, with Peppers in there as well. You know, the fact that it's all good feelings, and, and even Kevin Stefanski yesterday talked about how it seemed like the team opened up the welcome wagon to bring in the Giants at that point. You know, instead of having to deal with fights, if you're looking at the Raiders or the Rams, you know, the Browns, meanwhile, are basically setting out, you know, a bed and breakfast at this point in Berea. So, you know, I, I love the way that this team has evolved at this point now. And, and I love the way that, you know, Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield and company have really been handling this as a whole. All right. So uh, before we go to break, uh, Jeff Darlington on ESPN's Get Up. Question put to him. Who in the AFC North has the best chance to win the Super Bowl? Here's Jeff Darlington from ESPN. I'm going to say Cleveland Browns as well, and I'm inclined to say the Baltimore Ravens are the, actually the more capable team of winning the division, for instance, but I just don't trust them late in the season. I don't trust them in the playoffs, and maybe they'll get over that hump this year, but for now, I feel like if the Cleveland Browns get into the dance, if they get into the playoffs, they are going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL. So mm. I say the Cleveland Browns. I think they have a shot. And, Mac, that is a shot at winning the Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl. And, um, again, you know, it's hard to argue. 
Dave, I, I just want to say real quick, too, I love that Jeff Darlington earlier in the offseason said that the Steelers had a better shot to win the division than the Browns did and scoffed at the Browns. And now he's saying that they're the most likely team to go to the Super Bowl. Funny how that changes. But, you know, Dave, I, I look at this and I think he's spot on, you know. The way that this team is built, I think that it's the most complete roster in the AFC North. Like, he mentioned the fact that the uh, Ravens have, you know, the better chance to win the division. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, just because I think that the losses on defense, that detracts from them. And, you know, the Browns, again, I think that they have the most complete roster to this point. And I think that overall, they really, at this point, I, I genuinely think that the Browns, to this point, offense and defense, most complete team. And I think that they do have the best chance to go to the Super Bowl out of out of all of them. I also just wonder at that point, why do you not include the division crown? I, I think that the Browns have the shot at that. I think that they can do very well when it comes to that. But I, I think that he is right. The Browns are the most likely team out of the AFC North to land in the Super Bowl. Mac Robinson from 92.3 The Fan, as always. Mac, appreciate the time and the insight. We're going to step aside, take a quick timeout. On the other side of the break, Stephen Means, Buckeyes beat reporter for the Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com, joins us. We're talking Buckeyes football. Welcome back to Sports for CLE. We turn our attention to college football and we look a little south down Columbus Way. Time to welcome in Buckeyes beat reporter for the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, Stephen Means. Stephen, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about quarterback. Um, under Ryan Day, Buckeyes are always going to be in good hands under center. Who has really kind of taken the lead, if you will, um, to become Buckeyes quarterback this year? Yeah, I, we're assuming Ryan Day announces the actual starting quarterback on Monday, so it's probably going to be C.J. Stroud. He kind of hinted at it when we talked to him this past week, saying that C.J. Stroud is maybe taking a little bit of a lead after they had a chance to go through a full scrimmage. But it's always seemed like he was in the front running for it anyway. This is going back to when he and Jack Miller first got on campus as part of the 2020 recruiting class. He came in with a lot of momentum as maybe a late bloomer in that class and one of the last additions to the class he actually committed on during the early signing period and so then he came in here and then obviously jack miller was the first one to take the field in that nebraska game but every single time justin fields got knocked out of the game and it was an emergency situation where if somebody had to take the field if justin couldn't play they threw out cj Stroud, whether that was a michigan state game for a play or after that crazy hit against clemson he also came in in that game so it's always felt like it was cj Stroud, and it seems like on monday if ryan day does indeed in fact announce a starter that it's looking like it's going to be C.J. Stroud as the next starting quarterback for Ohio State. And, and is there any question in your mind, I know we've talked about this in the past, any question in your mind that uh, C.J. Stroud becomes a really, really good quarterback? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no reason to think that a Ryan Day developed quarterback's not going to do well. I mean, Dwayne, ja Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdown passes in his only year as a starter. And then, I mean, Justin Fields might be the greatest quarterback Ohio State's ever had in here. Troy Smith obviously would like a word with me, but at least it's in the conversation at this point. So you would, I don't think he's going to be Justin Fields first year. I don't even think he's going to be Dwayne Haskins in his first year, but I do think he has a lot of the same traits and skill sets that Justin had, even though it's not max peak Justin Fields. And I think they'll be fine. I think you should expect him at some point in this, in this year to maybe start playing at a Heisman level, even if he's not necessarily a Heisman candidate at the end of the season. Uh, all right, let's shift our focus uh, to a guy behind the quarterback, running back. That's an area, Trey Sermon, uh, in the NFL, expected to do well. Who, uh, who are the candidates to uh, fill the running role for the Buckeyes? 
So they got four or five really quality options, but obviously everybody wants to pay attention to Trey Sermon, excuse me, Travion Henderson, the five-star running back, the number one running back in the 2021 recruiting class, who seems like he can be like what J.K. Uh, Dobbins was in 2017, where out the gate, that Indiana game on a Thursday night in Bloomington, J.K. Dobbins had 181 yards on like 17 carries, and it pretty much set the tone for what ended up being his career. Everybody feels like Travion Henderson can be that, including this coaching staff, and they've tried to tamper those expectations. It might not start out that way, though. It might be a little bit more by committee. Mayan Williams obviously flashed in the Clemson game last year, so expect him to get reps. Master Teague is the incumbent starter, so don't expect him to just be not in the rotation or not a part of this offense after spending the last two years as a significant part of it. So I think it might look weird for the first couple of months here where game by game, it might be a different guy leading the pack, but there's no, for all intents and purposes, by the time we get to postseason play, when they're playing Georgia or Oklahoma or Clemson or Alabama, when you get to Big Ten championship game, the expectation is Travion Henderson can have a run like Ezekiel Elliott had in 2014 and what Trey Sermon was starting to do at the end of last season. And again, be patient with the guy. He's, he's, he's really, really yes. young. And at some point during the season, you expect kind of the light to come on, as they say, and, and him to see, this is all I need to do. I can do this. Yeah, that's the key. And like right now, we've gotten a chance to see some practices. You've seen flashes. It's not always consistent, which is the case with talented young freshmen is they show exactly what they can be, even if they're not that on every single rep. So if he has a game or something that's not necessarily the greatest showing in the world, don't overreact, Ohio State fans, because <laughs> – he's going to get there eventually. And I think he'll probably get there quicker than most. All right. Um, let's shift our attention now on the offensive side of the ball out wide. Uh, a, a couple of guys that when you look at projections for the NFL draft, they're number one picks and that's Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, what have you seen? What have you expect from, from the wide receivers, those, those top two wide receivers? I expect them both to be flirting with a thousand yards to be the best two wide receivers in the country. Let's just be honest here. Whoever wins that starting quarterback job, whether it's CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, no matter what, they're going to have a lot of riches and they're going to, their job is going to be pretty easy. It's throw the ball to number five and throw the ball to number two and good things are going to happen. Chris Olave is probably the best route runner in the country and Garrett Wilson's a freak. Like quite frankly, he's six foot, but he plays like he's six, six. And so that makes their job easy. I would expect not maybe not both of them because that's not how awards work, but at least one of those guys will be a finalist for the Belitnikoff Award at the end of the season given to the best wide receiver. The question isn't really about them. We know what they're going to do. It's the question is who's third on his team in receptions. Last year it was Jamison Williams was their third wide receiver, but he was more of an after afterthought and maybe only got the ball six or seven times. Does Jackson Smith and Jigba as a new slot receiver step up? Do one of these true freshmen like Emeka Ibuka or Marvin Harrison Jr. step up? Is this finally the time that we get Jeremy Rucker the ball more than five times a game, times a year? This is that's really where the question is: who is the third option outside of those two? Because we just expect those two to be hundred yards per game guys. All right, let's uh, let's widen this out a little bit. Who's really stood out? Who are some guys that are that are grabbing the attention of you know not only the media but the coaching staff as well? Dewan Jones, it seems like, is going to be the starting right tackle, which is not what anybody thought as early as. 48 hours ago, that's, that's too far, but about two weeks ago, Dewan Jones' name started popping up. We all thought it was just going to be Theron Mumford at left tackle and Nicholas petit Frere at right tackle again. Those are the, that's the best tackle tandem in the country, so why would you change that? But I guess from what Greg Shadrawa has told us, like the offensive line coach, from what Ryan Day has told us, and what pretty much every coach on this coaching staff has told us, Dewan Jones has really taken some steps forward. This is a guy who wasn't even a rated recruit coming out of high school in 2019. He was a basketball player with a bunch of Mac offers because he's six foot nine, six ten, and 350 plus pounds. And they just saw he was maybe more of a developmental guy, but if he ever got there, he was potentially a first round draft pick, a hidden gem that Greg Shadrava went and got out of Indiana. And it seems like he's starting to put it all together this year. And so all of a sudden, Nicholas Petit Frere is your left tackle, Darren Mumford's your left guard, and Dwan Jones is your starting right tackle. So it starts there. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it's Denzel Burke, we've heard his name four or five million times since he got here as an early enrollee in the spring. A lower-rated guy who had never played cornerback. He spent most of his high school career playing wide receiver, but he knew he was going to play corner here. And he has been better than maybe they expected him to be early on as a cornerback. So if there's any true freshman who can break into that cornerback rotation, it's probably him. 
All right, uh, before I let you go, big question as always, um, what do we expect from the Buckeyes as a team? You know, fans have, have been used to them being near the top and being in that mix. Um, is there any reason to think that's, that's going to not be the case this year? I think they're clearly the best team in the Big Ten. They just have too much of a talent gap between everybody else. We're going to learn a lot these first two weeks, and I know that's not really the best analysis in the world, but they get tested immediately, obviously going to Minnesota for that Thursday night game, and then bringing in Oregon, who's got Kayvon Thibodeau, who might be the first non-quarterback taken off of the board in the NFL draft next spring. And so th those are two really big tests for a quarterback who's never thrown a pass, regardless of who it is, but then also a defense who's, especially that secondary, who's maybe trying to redeem itself after a, a really iffy year. Now, granted, the last time that defense was terrible in 2018, they responded by, you know, Chase Young going to New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist and Jeff Okuda being the number three pick in the NFL draft. So I'll, I'll take the chances that the defense will be better. But those are two really good tests early on that we'll find a lot of, We'll find out a lot about these Ohio State Buckeyes, whether or not they're going to be a team that can compete for a national title, or is it going to be another case of they're the best team in the Big Ten, but they're not necessarily a playoff team. Yeah, and, and you know what? Ryan Day will have them ready to go. You, you, you do know that. Um, so, Stephen Means, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much, Stephen. Thanks for having me. All right, Stephen Means, Buckeyes beat reporter for The Plain Dealer as well as Cleveland.com. We're going to take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we turn our attention uh, to the local high school football guys. We'll be joined by Ryan Cavanaugh, color analyst for Spectrum News One's high school football. Straight ahead on Sports for CLE. Stay with us. Welcome back. Back to new friends, new classroom, and learning new things. Back to wearing shoes, man, like real shoes. Back to rushing to class. Back to having questions. Lots of questions. Back to vending machine dinners. Back to too much caffeine. Too late at night. But feeling like it was a night well spent. Back to pursuing your dreams and taking control of your future. Come back to go forward. Try C, where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps to drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Sports for CLE continues. Some of the high school teams got the season underway yesterday, most of them tonight, Friday Night Lights. Let's welcome in Ryan Cavanaugh, my longtime broadcast partner. Tonight we will be uh, on Spectrum News 1 with the Cleveland Heights Hoover game. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, Ryan, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Benedictine and Walsh Jesuit, uh, private school, Catholic school rivalry game um, and really, the Walsh Jesuit Warriors have, have really started to play well starting last year, but it's it's been a build. Yeah, well, it's been ever since Nick Alexander took over the program. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting, Dave, that you lead with that because, to me, that really is the most important part of this game and the story of the Walsh Warriors. Two years ago, when this year's senior class was sophomores, they got a new coach, Nick Alexander. That year, they went 1-9. and nine. Last year, five and two, they won a playoff game. And now there are huge, very big expectations for Walsh. And I spoke with Coach Alexander this week, and he said the good thing about this senior class, and they're going to lean on these guys, Dave. They're starting nine seniors on offense and seven on defense, and the majority of those players 
I have started since they were a sophomore in Coach Alexander's first year. But uh, back to Coach Alexander, his comments were, these players know what one and nine looks like, and they know what it's like to win playoff games and have the high expectations. So, uh, you know, his words, you guys earned it. You, you deserve the hype. You know, some places in the state have them ranked as high as seven in Northeast Ohio. And again, one and nine, two years ago, that is a tremendous turnaround. Coach Alexander credits it with total buy-in from the program. Uh, he's got four or five offensive linemen returning. Uh, LaShawn Crenshaw running the ball. Christian Oki is Ochi rather is a, a big time wide receiver. And you got guys like Jack Romanini on the defensive side. He'll also play some running back. So this is an experienced team that knows what it's like at the bottom and at the top. And they're trying to get that Walsh program back to the excellence it had with, you know, guys like Brable and uh, that, that era. Um, another team that knows tradition, Dave, is going to be across the sidelines. And that's the Bengals of Benedictine. Now, uh, last year, they had a, a very talented squad with a senior quarterback in Ronnie Schultz, a big offensive line, but those guys are gone. They're going to replace all five offensive linemen. They're going to rely on uh, guys like Patrick Morse and Anthony Iliano to fill those spots. But they do have Carlton Yarborough, the quarterback who came in when Schultz got hurt. He's uh, got some experience playing as a sophomore last year, and they've got speed. Um, two guys I want to talk about real quick, Dave, on defense, Darrell Bettingfield. He's a Toledo commit. He flies around the field. He can get to the football as well as cover wide receivers. Um, and offensively, um, they've got Marvin Conkle. He's a wide receiver who a lot of people are really high on. Um, he can go up and get those 50-50 balls. Uh, he's also dangerous to look for Benedictine to try and get him the ball in open space, bubble screens, that type of thing. But what a matchup to kick off week one. Yeah, and you know what? Um, good for them. Both of those programs uh, back up and, and doing well. All right, the game that we're doing, uh, Cleveland Heights travels to North Canton Hoover. And, and, you know, I've talked about this a little bit. Uh, Cleveland Heights offensive line, I want to run behind them, and you want to play quarterback behind them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do anything other than be last at the dinner table behind those guys. Um, listen, let's talk offensive line. Their right tackle is Justin Austin. He's the small one of the group. He's six foot two eighty-eight. The four other people standing next to him in the huddle are north of three hundred. They're north of six foot. And if Darian Fair has any problems, it's going to be seeing over the big fellas when he wants to throw the football. Fortunately for Darian Fair, who is their quarterback, Cleveland Heights is built to run the football. Coach Max Stevens says they have a four-headed monster. That's quarterback Darian Fair, fullback Owen Bisker, and then running backs uh, Elijah Fultz and uh, Jalen White. So they're going to use all those guys. They run two offenses, the triple option and the spread. But make no mistake, this is a run-first football team. Here's the twist with Cleveland Heights, Dave. They return nine, what I say, nine-and-a-half starters because they had a halftime starter half of the year starter, nine and a half starters on offense and zero on defense. So the concern is how quick can coach Stevens get his defense acclimated? What he did say this week is that they have uh, simplified the defensive scheme. So their players aren't thinking it's see football, go get football and rely on some of the speed and physicality that that defense is going to bring to the table uh, across the sidelines. Hoover with coach Brian Baum they've got a tremendous he's done a tremendous job with this program he's got them moving in the right direction uh they're coming in with some issues of their I wouldn't say issues but uh you know their quarterback three-year starter Connor Ashby he's graduated Cade Henney is taking over patiently waiting in the wings great athlete great basketball player but we're not sure if he's going to be able to go tonight so now they're looking at either junior Tommy Smart or sophomore Carson Dirlon uh, to, who might be splitting time. We'll see how that shakes out. But Hoover as well, Dave, they've got a tremendous defensive line. They returned four of five starters on the offensive line. The fifth starter, he did get some starts last year. So maybe there's that half I talked about. But if you like offensive line play, if you like defensive line play, running the football, physical in the trenches, Crunches either North Canton is where you got to be, or you got to be on your couch watching you and I on Spectrum call this one day. Yeah, and, and you know what? This is going to be one where there's going to be a lot of hitting. And if you like line play, yep, we're, we're at the game that uh, the offensive linemen want to go to. Um, another game that's really interesting Avon, Mike Elder, Brunswick, 
uh, Coach Pinzone back uh, getting the Brunswick Blue Devils back where they're used to being when he was there before he went to Buckeye for a short time. Yeah, actually, absolutely a return. And this is uh, his fifth year, Coach Pinzone's fifth year back at the uh, helm for the Blue Devils. I, I, I look at this matchup this way, Dave. I think this is the team who, with the coach who has built the program, who is where they want to be in Avon, one of the top programs in the state in Division II as well as in Northeast Ohio, and Mark Pinzone, who year after year has climbed the ladder to get to that spot. Um, six and three last year for Brunswick. Their only two losses, or two of their three losses, were to Menor. No shame in that. They come in with uh, strength of schedules on their side. They play in one of the toughest uh, leagues in the state, let alone Northeast Ohio. Um, these two teams, this is interesting. Up until this year, the past three years, they've scrimmaged each other. So while it's their first meeting under Pinzone's uh, tenure in the second time, they're familiar with each other. Uh, Brunswick's going to come in. They're big. They're going to have the size advantage. They're a run first team. They're going to be physical up front. But Coach Mark Elder, uh, he is returning. I don't, he's got a defense coming back, seven or eight starters, and only one starter on offense. The good news for Coach Elder is with the program he's had, he says, I've got sophomores and juniors who are going to start this year that not only could they start in most programs, but they're big-time players. They just either weren't big enough or there were better players in front of them. And when you develop a program like Coach Elder has at Avon, 11 straight playoff appearances, the final four in three of the last four years, you know, losing to Hoban, no shame in that. That's a difficult hurdle. That's where Avon wants to be. What better way for a litmus test when you have an all-new offense, nine, ten new players on offense, than a, a program like Brunswick to find out where you are early in the season. Yeah, and, and um, you know, Coach Elder, everybody in Avon wants to play high school football for the Eagles. So, so uh, it's going to be these guys' time as sophomores and maybe some freshmen. So they, they get, their time comes a little bit earlier. But, yeah, they know what, what system they run from the time they're, you know, knee high. Uh, Ryan, Kevin, and I are going to take a quick time out on the other side of the break. We'll talk a, a little bit more about a couple more matchups also touch on some um, familiar faces in new places as head coaches. Sports for CLE will be right back talking more high school football when we return. Welcome back. Back to new friends, new classroom, and learning new things. Back to wearing shoes, man, like real shoes. Back to rushing to class. Back to having questions. Lots of questions. Back to vending machine dinners. Back to too much caffeine too late at night, but feeling like it was a night well spent. Back to pursuing your dreams and taking control of your future. Come back to go forward. Try C, where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. Talking high school football with Ryan Cavanaugh, my broadcast partner on Spectrum News One's telecast for high school football. And uh, Ryan, some of the Northeast Ohio teams uh, venturing to play um, some big names across the state. We'll start Pickerington Central and Maslin. This one's kind of interesting. Well, Maslin with Coach Nate Moore 
has gotten to the apex they've been in the state championship a couple times, but uh, unfortunately unable to get over the hump there. They start their season this year against Pick Central, who lost in the state championship last year. Coach Nate Moore has his quarterback, some wide receivers to replace. He brings back Will Hartzell, their, uh, Hartson, their running back, who had over 1,000 yards in the last seven games alone last year. But um, with so many pieces to replace, this is another program, storied program, looking for that state championship. And what a way to test themselves than uh, the runner-up in Division One in Pick Central, who, Dave, probably has 15 kids in their locker room who ultimately, when they graduate uh, from high school, will have FBS offers and play football at that level. Yeah, without question, uh, um, always talented Pickerington Central. All right, St. Ed's playing Toledo Central Catholic. Again, this is another interesting one. Two traditional powers, different divisions, but really good football programs. Absolutely. What a test for both teams. And you've got Tom Lombardo from St. Ed's, Greg Dempsey from Toledo Central Catholic. And if you're St. Ed's, you know, these schools we're talking about right now, Dave, part of the challenge is being able to get teams to play you. So hats off to Toledo Central Catholic. But for St. Ed's, who, you know, they're looking for some wide receivers. They've got uh, their quarterback back, linemen like Joe Lavelle and Gio Kennedy. Uh, to go on the road, this is a big test. But as we know, Dave, after losing to Medina uh, last year in the playoffs, they've got their goal set for not only the state championship, uh, but, I mean, of course, the state championship game, but winning that game, what a way to start the season than to go out on the road against TCC. And definitely Eagles have some talent, and um, it will be interesting to see exactly what Tom Lombardo does. All right, St. Ignatius playing Springfield, and that's the Dayton area Springfield uh, with Maurice Douglas uh, that was a really good football team that went deep into the playoffs, and they always have some talent. Yeah, this is a test on the road. Let's not make any bones about it. St. Ignatius, who was always in the state championship conversation, um, has fallen short the last few years. Uh, they come back with some talent. Joe Faf at quarterback. You got Marty Lenahan at running back. Brian Wisniewski on the offensive line. And Peter Shalhoub on the defensive line. But one person missing, Dave, is our buddy Nick Restifo, offensive coordinator. Him and the Kango will not be making the trip as he hung it up up the whistle last year so it'll be interesting to see what the 2021 St. Ignatius offense looks like you got Chuck Kyle and you expect to see coach Restifo right next to him and will not be there but who will be there is Mo Douglas the longtime coach of Trotwood Madison state titles there you mentioned a deep playoff run Dave they lost 14 to 12 to St. X in the state semifinals before St. X destroyed Pick Central in the first half of the state championship game so when you're talking about cutting your teeth, litmus test, find out where we are in week one, man, St. Ignatius signed up for just that. And you mentioned Nick Restifo. He took the job when Chuck Kyle was hired as, um, as the head football coach. So they've been together from the very beginning back in 1982. He was actually my high school baseball coach at St. Joe's. I say that because we're going to talk about Bill Angela St. Joe's new head football coach. Uh, that would be Jeff Rotsky, who is at Euclid and uh, numbers are up. They're over a hundred. Uh, they were about 60 some last year. Um, I'm expecting the Vikings to be very, very good in Division Four and quickly. I would agree with you, Dave. This is in Division Four to me. As you look across the state, that's always the one that's wide open. You that, like, for example, Lake Catholic last year. They were like a 16 seed, and they go all the way to the state championship and just fall short. So you never know what you're going to get in Division Four. You also never know where Coach Jeff Rotsky is going to land when he says, I'm, I'm leaving this place. This time it was Euclid. And everywhere Coach Rotsky's gone, he's taken a program that may not have been where that school wanted it, and he puts them right in the conversation as must-watch TV, a team to go see, and a team to be reckoned with when you get into the playoffs. I expect Coach Rotsky to turn VASJ around and in a hurry. And a big reason for that is his ability to get kids out of the hallways and out on the football field. You mentioned those numbers up. Um, Coach Rotsky, you know, he's, he, I'm sure he's going to bring an 18-person coaching staff <laughs> with him as well, which he always does, and keep preaching those pillars that uh, anybody who has played 
under Coach Rotsky understands what his program's all about. Yeah, without question. Um, something that's going to be very strange. Soul and a new head football coach. So Jim McQuaid is now just the AD, uh, but a familiar name. One of his defensive coaches, Brian Wisniewski, steps into the head coaching role. But, but it's going to be different to see Jim McQuaid not on the sidelines uh, for the Solon Comets. Yeah, or, or on the sidelines, making sure that everything is right and not talking about the right guys in the huddle, just making sure the right people are on the sidelines. You know, Dave, as an aside, I always think it's interesting to have a head coach who's an athletic director because I know the stress these coaches go through in a week when they're just the football coach, but now you have to take on these other responsibilities. So, you know, a part of me thinks Coach McQuaid is going to sit there on Friday night and be much more relaxed than he's been in many, many years. As for the comments, Brian Wisniewski, two year, the last two years he's been the defensive coordinator at Solon. Uh, you know, that's where uh, championships are born is on the defensive side of the ball. So I think Solon is in good hands with Coach Wisniewski. And also knowing Coach McQuaid, he was not going to leave the Solon comments in bad hands. And when you have his blessing, that's already a step in the right direction. All right, Ryan Cavanaugh, how excited are you? Uh, and I know the answer to this, but um, – Cheerleaders back, bands back, fans back, um, kickoff. Some people got to experience it yesterday, but uh, Friday Night Lights, first one coming up in just a couple hours. Uh, I, I can't stop smiling. I'm excited to get out to the field. You know, last year, Dave, I remember standing next to you in the booth and the first game, and they ran out, and I got the goosebumps because I, I thought maybe we are not going to get to this point this season. But as you look out in the crowd, you know, you and I are used to a big play and then, you know, bracing yourself because the press box is shaking. The fans are jumping up on the stands. You know, there's things flying in the air. The cheerleaders are making noise. And we missed a little bit of that last year. It was a little bit different. So as excited as I was to actually see the foot hit the ball and the game get started, I'm going to be just as excited, Dave, when we're down in North Canton with a packed house to watch the kids live because there's something special about a Friday night, especially in Ohio, for these football games. I agree. Ryan, um, I'm going to hop in the car, and I will see you in a little bit. If you see us out at North Canton, come talk to us. We love talking to fans and players as well. Ryan Cavanaugh, uh, my broadcast partner, Spectrum News 1. Uh, appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll be doing this all season long. Thanks very much, Ryan. Yeah, see you in a few minutes, Dave. All right, Ryan Cavanaugh, the uh, analyst for Spectrum News 1's high school football in Northeast Ohio. That'll do it for this edition of Sports for CLE. Uh, we will see you again Monday where we will talk plenty about the Browns and Giants preseason game. We'll hear plenty. We'll also hear from Kevin Stefanski on that game as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will see you Monday.